0: Law & Wit, Episode 41, How to Thrive as an Introvert Entrepreneur, with Maura ahrens Mealy. Welcome to Law & Wit, Creative Council for Entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Brittany Rattel, mother of four, entrepreneur, naptime lawyer, and attorney for creative entrepreneurs. I'm here to share inspiration and action so that you can tackle your business blocks and confidently own your business in every sense of the word. Thank you so much for being here. Hello, listeners, and welcome back. And I am so excited to share our guest today. Um, I have on here Maura Ahrensmele, and she is the author of Hiding in the Bathroom, An Introvert's Roadmap to Getting Out There, and she is the founder of an award-winning social impact agency, Women Online. She also hosts a podcast, Tidy in the Bathroom, and has created a successful influencer network, The Mission List. She was the founding political director for blogher.com and has written for Harvard Business Review, Huffington Post, Mom's Writing, Forbes, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, The Guardian. Um, she is just incredible. Um, and she's a graduate of Brown University and the Harvard e. Kennedy School and lives in Boston, Massachusetts. So welcome, Mora. Hi, how are you? We're great. Um, we're so welcome to have you on Lawn Wit, and more as someone that I met. At the Alt Summit last year, um, I had a chance to sit next to. I think we were doing like our craft. It was like a craft time slash, you oh, know, was talking
1: so fun, <laughs>
0: talking business time, which is really probably only something you could pull off at Alt, but it seemed completely normal, you know, to be making these really beautiful neon pink like elephant esque expired necklaces, and also to be talking, you know, digital marketing strategy with people. <laughs>
1: But that's why I love I love the alt community and and frankly you know all the online content creator communities that I've been lucky to be a part of for oh my gosh so many years since two thousand and five, I think it is, because we can, you know, craft at the same time as we're talking about our, our businesses.
0: Exactly. You know, we're not we're not afraid of having uh, of just having something fit neatly on a business card. In fact, we I think embrace the and 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 all the multi passionate <laughs> and everything that comes along with it, right? Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Um, well, I wanted to start out with, give us a little bit of your kind of entrepreneurship origin story, um, because you, you know, you've run now and started, you know, several successful businesses, um, but you've had, you know, a different track in terms of the things you've been involved with and lessons learned along, along the way. And I, we just love to hear a little bit about um, what kind of brought you to what you're doing now and how did you discover what it is that you really like to do?
1: Um, you know what's funny is is I always i mean I, I'm like many women I think and men an accidental entrepreneur. I became an entrepreneur because I quit corporate America. I just couldn't take it anymore because um I am a major introvert and um you know really a hermit. I call myself a, a hermit because i found working I worked in in very competitive environments in New York and then in London and then in Washington DC and I was you know I was sort of an executive on the rise first in digital marketing and then in politics in political consulting and um, I just every day I went to work I felt like I was going into battle you know I I, was very hard for me temperamentally I just was not cut out for it Um, and I just, you know, I didn't have the support around me. I think maybe if I had had a different level of support or been in a different place in my life, maybe this story would be different. But I just couldn't do it anymore. I was unhappy. And so I I quit my last corporate, you know, job working for other people in 2006, and just started freelancing, like so many of us, you know, do we We don't know what we're going to do, but we just know that we have to bring income in. So we use our skills and our Rolodex and consult. And I just found that I loved it. I was doing the exact same work I'd always done, but doing it on my terms from my little kitchen table. And that consulting practice grew so that I started a small business, which is now Women Online. And we create digital campaigns that mobilize women. We're a I say that we're a strategic um, communications firm. You know, we do 21st century communications, which is digital first, right? Exactly. You know, the, the the line between what is online and offline marketing and what is PR versus social media communications, it's all blurred. It's about really strong content, good messaging, but it's it's digital first. So I feel like we're a 21st century communications company now.
0: Exactly. And really, who really cares what you label it? The question is, is it working? <laughs> is it yeah. getting the message out? Like, let's not get too hung up in terms of if the right department head, you know, has the right title um, versus is the messaging getting out, you know, is the content, are we meeting the needs and telling the stories that we need to be telling?
1: That's right. That's right. Where people are, where our audiences are.
0: Yeah. Exactly. And recognizing that there's a different audience or different platforms. And depending on what you're trying to reach and what your, you know, what, what your story is, what your messaging is, being very thoughtful about that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I love, um, you know, just that you knew yourself, you know, not that you had to go through, you know, a hard time and challenging. And, um, and I think that there's, it's it's hard to say, like, well, is that, that, that's a problem with the way that we do business, that we only reward, you know, the extroverted or the, you know, outer networking, um, that, you know, introverts sometimes do have such a hard time in finding their place and, you know, using their gifts to find, um, to be, you know, to be rewarded and, you know, that seems an uphill battle. But I love that you, you know, got to that place where you were so self-aware that you could step back and say, you know what, I'm, I'm good at what I do, but my, I'm not being served and having to do it maybe this way. And is there another oh, I, option?
1: I, I wasn't self-aware at the time. I was clinically depressed. I mean, yeah. there was not much. No, no, no. Now, you know, many years later, I can look back. You yeah. know, I think it's not only about being an introvert. There are many introverts who go and run billion-dollar companies and become president. You know, and I think it's it's part of it is is people who are more introverted might struggle with a modern office culture. Bright lights, open plan office, so much buzz all day, people always in your face, lots and lots of meetings, you know, so that's real. Um, But I think some of us are just wired, you know, we're just a little bit sensitive, um, a little more high tone. And, um, you know, I think, for me, also, just the sense of, of having to fight a lot of office politics was very challenging for me as well. Yeah. And um, temperamentally, I'm much more cut out to do my own thing mm-hmm. and make my own rules and manage my own time.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and to be accountable for you in terms of the productivity and, you know, having being able to be in charge of what the outputs really look like and not being stuck on, you know, what what am I doing to be seen doing, which ends up being usually so much a big part of working in a corporate organization. Oh, my organization. God. You know,
1: You'll appreciate this, Brittany, but I was I was at dinner last week with a, a, a law partner who's um, at a big firm, and, and he said, you know, I have to sit in traffic every day for an hour and a half each way because that's what we do. We show up between 8.30 and 9, and we leave between 6 and 6.30. That's what we do.
0: So you spend three oh. hours to be seen. I mean, that's ridiculous.
1: And he knows it's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But he, but the system is so entrenched.
0: Yeah, that that's what you and that's what that's what a good work looks like. That's what a good attorney looks like, or a good you know investment broker, or someone mm-hmm. a hedge fund manager, whatever it is, or insert whatever your you know your corporate title might be. Um, is it shows up in this is this narrow way? And you know mm-hmm. how silly that we're wasting our lives away sitting in our cars. Um.
1: Right. Not doing work. Not
0: doing work. Yeah. You know, until we get to like, you know, the self-driving cars and I'm sure the community people will be the first on that to be like, sign me up so I can take a nap. I can get started on my day, write my blog post, listen, you know, read my emails, do all the things beforehand. Um, But yeah, I I think that that's, you know, it's a really good thing to call yourself on in terms of um, how much is it doing just because that's the way it's done. And certainly law is awful and that they are so, you know, so entrenched in terms of backwards thinking um, that, you know, we always look to precedent and how it's been done. And this is what you wear. And this is how you do work. And this is how you train new attorneys that um, you're not able to really look at. Is this how our clients need to be served? Is this the only mm-hmm. way that we can solve their problems? Yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. So. Okay, so you started and you got your consulting gig going and it started humming along. Um, why Why did you decide to work with women? Why Why directing their efforts there? What was about that that spoke to you?
1: I had been a political consultant, um, but before that I worked at iVillage.com, which was um, sadly is no more, but for many years was really... Was Technically, the number one community for women on the internet, you know, and had these great message boards back in the day. I, and mean, I before, remember iVillage. I
0: remember yeah. the message boards. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it was, and it was. You know, I was a, I was young when I worked there, but it was mind blowing to me that strangers would come together on the internet and become such good friends and discuss such intimate topics. Right, everything from childbirth to divorce and everything in between. You know, anonymity plus intimacy was what the CEO of iVillage, Candace Carpenter, always called it. And so that just stuck with me. It was so powerful. And then, you know, when I worked in politics, I learned that women make all the decisions, women are what count. Uh, and at the same time, I met Lisa Stone, the co founder of, of Blog Her, which, you know, was again, like iVillage, just revolutionary for its time around 2005. I think it started in that it brought women who blogged together in community at conferences gave a revenue model right through ad ad sales and i became a political blogger for blog her and just saw the power of what happened when you used the internet and digital media and what we now call social media to elevate women's voices mm-hmm. and i just thought this is this is this is me this is like this is what i was born to do
0: this is my jam
1: this is my jam. And the truth is, as we all know, and I won't bore us with the statistics, but most major decisions are driven by women, certainly household decisions. Unfortunately, large scale societal and systemic decisions are still driven by men, right, the patriarchy. And that's where I wanted to work that intersection, I wanted to help progressive organizations, elevate what's good for women and what's good for society and women's voices not around necessarily selling shampoo but selling social change
0: right you know the, where where is the public and private meet and where is that intersection and how can we adjust that um, in terms of greater social issues yeah and change yeah 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 very cool um, so in terms of working in that space and specifically you know making sure that we're cognizant of women's voices and what's uh, impacting around women um what are the challenges that you've seen is just being um I guess you know even just working with that audience and then being a female entrepreneur yourself um can you speak a little bit to that
1: I mean I think that the challenges are so many if you're a women online a woman online these days you know physical danger and you know sort of the toxic culture of the internet is something I certainly probably don't have to talk about this audience with you know every time you speak up online, you're you're sticking your neck out and you're you're risking things, right? I, I really believe that. And women who do speak up are brave, you know. Um, so that's very real. I think also the pace of change is really <laughs> overwhelming, right? And trying right. to figure out a business model around digital content creation is always really, really hard. Getting paid your worth as a woman is really, really hard. So, you know, I think that Online culture is reflective of our larger sort of societal challenges. Being a woman entrepreneur is hard because especially if you work in the women's space, um, you know you can really fight to get paid your worth and i've I feel like I've fought that for many years and it's it's getting better but i I wouldn't have it any other way
0: right mm-hmm. exactly so. Um, I, I love what you discuss, you mentioned about um, just, you know, being making sure that you're you know, asking and getting paid for your value. Um, I find that a lot of um, a lot of the clients that I work with, especially who are in maybe the beginning stages of monetizing their content and in turning what may have been a hobby or a side hustle and interest into, you know, a larger business endeavor, um, have a hard time. Um, making those asks, you know, doing those first few pitches or, you know, um feeling like, Am I am I selling out or am I asking too much? Or are my prices fair? And I'm usually finding that, you know, systemically they're they're underpricing, they're not asking for enough in terms of, of what they're doing. Um, what, you know, what advice would you give? I know you're usually on the opposite side, that you're the one hiring, you know, influencers and looking to partner with them. Um, but what do you think that you can do as a content creator and influencer? What tips, you know, mindset should they be working on to maybe help with some of that asking?
1: I think that there's two pieces. One is, is to do your research, right, and know your value. Because you, you want to um, be you know, within the margin of error um, in your space. And so I think finding a space where you can have open conversations about, about what other people are making and, and not being scared to talk about money is really important. Um, so that, So that's step one. And I think, you know, the more people you talk to, the more comfortable you get both with talking frankly about money, but also in, in understanding your worth. You know, it's a pr- it's a process and it takes practice. Uh, I will be talking about this at, at all actually coming up, but no one is born being able to walk into a room and sell the room. Like we think that there are these magical salespeople and business leaders who are just, you know, emerge from the womb, able to sort of stand up and command an audience and get paid gazillions of dollars, et cetera, et cetera. No, it's a skill that we all learn and it takes practice and it takes market research. And frankly, it takes rejection. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the hard, honest truth. I think that one thing that's really important to think about as you're starting out, and I talk about this in my book a lot, is you know what you're gonna go for almost as a loss leader to establish your credibility in the marketplace. Um, I have worked, you know, and I've been doing this work for decades, I have worked for free at times, I have really lowered my rates when I've worked for causes or clients that I'm so passionate about, or that I know, will make me more desirable, right? Will sort of up my up my game and my credibility.
0: Yeah, that there's some social capital there. Yeah,
1: that's exactly right. It's all about social capital. And then there are times when I've been offered a lot of money, and I've said no, either because it will diminish social capital, or I It's something I don't believe in. It's something I would be embarrassed to tell people I'm working on or, you know, you just get that bad feeling in your gut that this is a bad idea. So part of it also is understanding your personal boundaries around money when you feel like, oh, I just got to do this. I don't care about money. And when you also need to say, nope, you know what? You got to pay the rent this month. Here's what you need to do. And giving yourself that sort of reality check, because I think a lot of us tell a lot of myths to ourselves around money.
0: Right. Exactly. No, I really like that, 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 um, you know, to be that, that there is certainly, there is a delicate balance there between, um, your ideals and what your work means to you, and you know maybe some of those things that you've set out kind of in your own personal work manifesto, um, but also recognizing the reality is, hey, you need to be profitable, you need to have liquidity. You, need- we all got to yeah. pay. We all got to pay the bills, people. We all have to pay the bills. Um, and so, are we making sure that we are putting ourselves in a place where we can be professional and provide value, um, even in places and maybe it's not our first choice in terms of the client or the service or the product or something.
1: Well, and also I think understanding that the time it takes to develop business is worth money. And so a lot of us, I think also who work for ourselves, spend too much time chasing things that are never going to happen. We um, spend a lot of time investing in a project that's going to end really soon so that we're right back at square one instead of investing in a project that will last for months and months or even a year, you know, so we have that cushion. So I think it's really, really important to what I call, you know, understand your monthly nut, which is how much money do I have to bring in every month, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And how can oh, I, I like pay that. For that? Yeah. And ideally, this is from my perspective, as a someone who owns a service business, but I think it probably applies for influencers and content creators. You know, if you can have a long term relationship client, that would bring in a certain percentage of your monthly nut that you can count on, That is worth investing in, right? Because that is collateral that will pay and then you'll have more free time to go after those passion projects or the exciting short-term project. So really think strategically about the time you're going to spend on business development and how you're investing that time and, and just frankly how much money you have to bring in every month.
0: Yeah. And you need to know that number. It's not so it's a number. So it's a, it's a real number. So don't <laughs> BS yourself with like, I'm not good at numbers or like, you know, I mean, all the excuses that I hear if people are like, that's not my jam. And, you know, especially I think creatives sometimes fall into this trap, especially if they're, you know, you're a maker or, you know, someone who considers themselves a very creative person, um, that you just you don't have the luxury of not knowing that number for yourself. So you know, read Jen Sincero's books. You know, do whatever you need to. But you need to you need to know that number. Yeah,
1: you need to know that number, and you also need to know you know where to invest your time to make that number happen. A bird in the hand is worth three in the bush when That's you're right. starting out.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, Amen. I I completely agree with that, and th- which is also really relevant, especially if you're in a um, service-based business um, that you need to be tracking your time, too, um, which is another mm-hmm. mistake I think a lot of um, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of creative entrepreneurs fall into is that they're not um, being cognizant of how much they're investing in certain projects or doing certain processes. And they're not considering that, oh, well, I just spent, you know, how many hours on this? And, you know, when I do the math, that's not a very good rate of return for how much I'm charging.
1: You should know your profitability per client or per, per project because what some things, and I have found this, learned this the hard way in my business over the years, that seem like they're, you're getting a big chunk of money. You spend so much time on that your profitability is really low where you might get something that's a much smaller fee, but you're not working as hard on it, right? And right. so I think that that's a really good metric to think about as well is, you know, how profitable in terms of my time or other people's time that I'm paying for is this piece of work.
0: Exactly. Yeah, no, I I really agree with that. That's such an important point. Um, So, you know, tell me as you've been, you know, as you completely, you know, you're immersed in this space of, you know, um, digital marketing and online and what's changing, what do you see as kind of big trends um, going into this new year, 2019? What do you see that's working for people? And maybe what do you see that's not working as much anymore?
1: You know, I've been involved with a bunch of old, old school bloggers on Facebook, you know, looking at old photos. And, um, it was actually beautiful. Like when Senator Kirsten Gillibrand announced that she was thinking about running for president, someone, um, pulled up some old photos of when she came to the blog, her conference in 2010. And we had this sort of moment. And then I think also when com announced that it was closing. A couple of weeks ago, oh, I
0: love Babel, yeah, I know, so right? sad, yeah, in fact, I mean I those. remember design mom, I mean um Gabrielle Blair, you know, leader of the alt conference that she, that was be one of her mainstays. She used to post on there yeah. all the time, yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, a lot of women who we really look up to got their start, you know, thanks to Katherine Connors, um her bad mother in large part, writing for Babel, and so there's these moments when you know someone like me who's been in this space for so long is looking back and thinking. I sort of miss the old internet where we thought and wrote um, a lot and it wasn't all, frankly, just like a giant fire hose of constant content and um, ephemeral content, you know, and I so I've been thinking a lot about that, like, what is the value of thoughtful, long form content. And I think that that's why podcasts, frankly, are so popular, because people want to have more intimate and thoughtful conversations the other thing that i think is 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 a trend but has real implications in society is that facebook in particular but all the social platforms are not our friends right (laughs) they are not our friends we are their products we are learning that the hard way
0: right Cambridge Analytica and all the stuff in between, <laughs> right? Unless you, like, unless you had any myths that you know they're doing this out of the goodness of their heart, which that's fine. They got to make money, but let's let's just call a spade a spade, okay?
1: Exactly. Like we use them, great. They use us, fine. But and and we love them. we we love them. We're addicted to them, fine. But let's be honest about that. And let's not be overly dependent on them, you know, and this also comes back to the old school days, I want to see a world and this is why I'm telling everyone I know to invest in their own platform, right? Whether that's an email newsletter, whether that's a podcast, a website, a blog, <laughs> you know, own your own platform because we've seen too many friends and big media companies and governments fall victim to the whims of you know of the platforms and they're not our friends
0: no, They're, they they have a mission and a purpose and it may align with yours for a time and a season and it may not. And so, right. um, and people can rail against the algorithm as if it was some person. It's not, it's all about improving user experience, but that might be at the expense of what it is you're offering. And that may be in your advantage and then the, you know, the winds will change and it won't be. And you always have to remember that you don't own that. You don't own that access. And if you don't have an email address, if you don't have people who know where to find you, um, then you really don't have
1: them. I'm still bullish on email. You know, I mean, we all love to hate it, but the truth is it is, um, I think that and and your SMS are the most reliable and intimate way to reach your audience. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I really believe that you need to have control and invest in your own platform.
0: I I agree with you there, So, which is why, obviously, we're such bright businesswomen that we have our own podcast. So, you know, we're...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? I got fired. So my podcast wasn't my own podcast. It was um, with Forbes, which is an amazing brand. Um, But then they fired me and that sucked. And so, you know, I I also had to learn the lesson the hard way last year that was like, okay, you know what? Invest in your own content. Um, So we're always learning lessons
0: right yeah and never and never stops so we just hope that we're learning more interesting lessons and have more <laughs> interesting problems right and not the same ones hopefully <laughs> That's, that's, that's the rub. Um, so I love that, you know, the long form content going back, you know, to the good old days of thinking before we're writing and, you know, how are we writing is what we're serving up, you know, really serving our audience, um, and not falling for maybe cheap tricks and cheap thrills. Yeah. That's right.
1: And, and you know what, that's not only writing. I mean, I know a lot of people and I, I wish in my next life, I'm going to be a visual person. I, I want to be a designer, but you know, it's thoughtful design. It's thoughtful, thoughtful content. Um, thoughtful content slowing the pace i think would be a blessing especially as mothers i'm just like oh my god can we just please slow the pace of everything so so yeah
0: exactly that's, okay that's well now that you've 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 broached that talking about you know being a mama and and what that means you know um in working in this digital age what's working for you you know talk about kind of i know we all hate that word of like balance but you what's working for you <laughs> in terms of um Doing a good job where it matters to you with the people who you care about.
1: Oh geez, isn't that the question? Um, so so I many years ago met a woman named Callie Yost, who is my, you know, one of my personal sort of gurus and mentors, and she coined a term work-life fit. So I don't believe in balance, but I do believe that finding your work-life fit is the key to everything. And what Callie will say is that work life fit is like snowflake is like a snowflake. Everyone's is different. (laughs) And you can't judge anyone else's work life fit. My husband is a little bit of a workaholic. Like he loves to work. He loves to be out and about. He loves uh, board meetings and all these crazy things that I would rather die than do. He loves cocktail parties and networking events. That's his. That's his work life fit, right? Like as Oprah would say, that is him living his best life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: My work life fit, I'm very clear about, is I like to be sort of couple days. You know, I don't mind being out and about in the world, schmoozing and you know, talking and selling. But mostly I like to be in my home office. I like to have many hours alone every day to think. Um, I like to stop work sort of in the afternoon and hang with my kids for a bit and then work later at night Mm -hmm. or early in the morning like if I if I had my dream, I wouldn't ever work sort of core work hours. Right, the, the day is not when I want to work. <laughs> yeah.
0: It'd be you know different time. I yeah I I feel you. You know I had a client call at nine thirty <laughs> last night, and you know I could tell that the person was a little you know, on the other end was like, and I'm like, is this an okay time? She's like, yeah, and I'm like, you know, sorry not sorry, but I've I've got young kids at home, and so for me, I I got to work unusual hours, but sometimes that works for other people, and they're busy, and those times during the day don't work for them, so.
1: You know? Right. I mean it's it's honestly about having open conversations, you know, and and I think also having strong communication between clients or team members so that we all know how each other like to work. Um that's another dream that I have that we can all understand like, you know, I'm like really bad if I have back-to-back meetings for 5 hours. So, could I have, you know, maybe 2 hours of meeting-free time so I can actually do my work and then I'll come back to you and I'll be fresh. Imagine a world where we could actually talk about that right um so work-life fit not balance and then you can really think about when you know your work-life fit how to build it right and so I think another thing that I'm I'm really big on and, and my kids are you know they're getting a little bit older and they don't need me in the same way Is I sort of want to be selfish in my career again and um Get very ambitious in a way that I wasn't able to when my kids were all in diapers, and that's kind of fun and scary to think about. And so, um, it's always an evolving process, but I'm very, very big on sorry, that's my daughter. <laughs> hey,
0: that's all right, um, that's that's a great segue. Sorry, Maybe right. she thought our yeah. ears were burning, but um, but yeah, I think that that's great to recognize that there are seasons, um, and mm-hmm. I think that's particularly true for women, and um, you know, that's that's a blessing and a curse of just of being a woman and being the role that we have and, and being a mother and, and what that means. And by listening to ourselves um, and like you said, being thoughtful about when, when do I work well? When, what do I need um, to do my best work to be fulfilled in all the different areas of my life? that are important. Um, and then what does that look like? Um, and then hopefully we're in a space where we feel like we can advocate and get that for ourselves. And whether that's a balance of working for ourselves and working with other people or, or finding some combination thereof.
1: Well, and, and I think also, I mean, what I would say to every woman out there listening who has financial responsibilities is you need to protect yourself, right? You need to, you know, we all talk about burnout, we talk about self care. It's a long game. And so the thing about Work Life Fit that's so amazing is I almost see it as preventative training, as if you were an athlete, right? It's like, it's like stretching in yoga. It is so you can go the long haul, you know, right. So many of us don't build in protections for ourselves. And then we break and we wonder why. So I'm all about building in every single day, the buffers for yourself so that hopefully you can keep it going and put those kids through college.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Have, have those little release valves in your life, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, All the way around. No, I think that that's, that's really wise advice. I love that work life fit. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Callie
1: Yost, check her out. She's amazing.
0: Okay. Well, we'll definitely um, look into that. So, um, well, um, and you talked a little bit about, you know, that you've worked in politics and you still work with some political clients and, um, and some of your work online with, um, uh, with women work and women online. Um, tell me about, um, you know, I would love to hear more about, cause I know you worked on the Malala campaign and, and helping, um, share her message. Um, is that one that you can talk about, or there's another one that you have a favorite one that I, I will accept a substitute, but that's one that I would love to hear a bit more about.
1: Yeah. I mean, we worked with Malala Fund a few years ago, um, when Malala, she hadn't yet gone to university. And um, there was a documentary coming out about her life called I Am Malala. And, um, you know, I think one of the things that was most rewarding about that work was the chance for a lot of women in our community and parents everywhere to talk to their kids about this brave, brave,
0: brave child. Brave Child. with a capital B. Yeah. Oh my
1: God, you know, and um, I, I think that one of the things I would love to see more of is content, digital and broadcast, you know, that parents and kids can have thoughtful conversations about all the data supports helping our kids become critical media consumers. You know, yes. we all get scared that our kids are getting addicted to media. But the truth is, media can be great.
0: It's just a tool. So we just need to see it as a tool. It's not a toy. Let's have boundaries. Let's keep the doors, you know, open lines of communication. You know, no reason a kid needs to have a phone in their room after 10 o'clock. Like no good can come of that. But, um, (laughs) but yeah, let's
1: right. Yeah. So, and so another favorite client of mine is called amaze, which is amazing. And, um, it's a YouTube channel. Hi, JJ. It's a YouTube channel, and it is meant for young people, sort of aged, I would say, nine to fourteen, right now. And it's sex ed and puberty education, and when will I get boobs? And uh, do why do my friends not like me anymore? And all the tough questions around puberty, and they are funny and they are animated videos, and they've had almost eighteen million views on YouTube in a very short time because kids need this information and um, we're just about to launch something called amaze junior which is a series of videos around um, questions about your body even early consent questions for younger kids so parents can watch them with their little kids right Mm -hmm. so a little kid comes home and she says, I play doctor. And you're like, "Uh oh,
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, when you're talking about, yeah, which are, it's so important for people to have, you know, uh, even just a starting point to have that conversation that you, you can, you know, read a good book or watch a good video and then be able to talk about it with your kids and have something that, right. you know, I, I hope that if you, you know, child, you have questions, you come, you come talk to me because we certainly don't to want to let a kid, be it the whims of Google or just whatever people are saying on the school bus. I mean, I remember some of the sex ed I got riding the bus and yeah, not, (laughs) not great, not great conversations, you know, to have my, my face beat red. Um, so yeah, it was, um, it's, I think that that's, that's an amazing, amazing mission to have is just to try to let's open that, that dialogue between parent and child.
1: Well, yeah. And I mean, I, I think it's also, I have a client called the center for parent and teen communication, which is also a web resource for parents of teens and tweens to keep having the conversations. Because again, you know, we we we, we think that teens are going to leave us and go learn from everyone else but us. But of course, they want us in their lives, even if it doesn't feel that way. And so, I mean, I think that the biggest lesson I get from my clients and why I feel so blessed, frankly, it sounds like a cliche to do this work, is to see how we can use media and technology to to make the world better and also to make parenting easier, frankly, because we,
0: yeah, which we all need, you know, we, we, we need some wins there, because it's a it's a tough world out there. And it's tough to try to navigate. And are we giving our kids the skills they need to be, like you said, be critical consumers and be looking at ads and being like, huh, what, what's be really being sold here? You know, what's the messaging? Who's the target audience? Um, what's what's real and what's not and how we sort that all out. And so um, people aren't internalizing messages that could be so damaging to themselves. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, um, well, awesome. Well, I love to hear that, that you get to work with organizations, which I'm sure are so great even just to see in tools as, as a parent. So yeah. So you said that you kind of like having kind of a break, um, with your day. So do you, um, break out in terms of the, your work day and then interacting with kids or what's working for you in terms of scheduling and, you know, making stuff happen in the time it needs to happen?
1: I've always worked from home, so I don't know how many of you. Brittany, you work from home, right? I
0: do. I'm a naptime attorney, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I
1: love it. Yeah. Naptime attorney. So I'm different in that I have a nanny um, because I do travel a lot. And, um, you know, I – like the naptime thing, I just couldn't squeeze it in. I don't know how you do it. So I have always worked at home but had – a caregiver in my home as well which you know is not for everyone
0: no but, but I've, I've had some of that too so I've had I've had ebbs and flows for sure yeah
1: I just love it you know it allows me to work full time and you know be the breadwinner I want and need to be but also you know I always try to be sort of off like when the bus comes because when kids get off that bus oh my god and, um, they
0: want you, they need you. They have a million stories about the day. They want to tell you about Minecraft and you need to be ready to listen.
1: You need to be ready. Like one of my sons came off the bus yesterday and he was literally shrieking and he, I had the worst day ever. And you're like, okay. And so not every day. Cause you know, I'm at meetings some days I'm traveling. Like I'm very real to my kids that mommy, mommy works. And I know right. that it's hard for you. I get so much. Mommy, you're never home. Mommy, I miss you. I was working. I was gone for 18 days straight this fall between speaking gigs for my book stuff and client meetings. And that was really hard. And it was hard on my family. And I felt miserable and like the worst mother ever. And I heard it from the nursery school. And I got a lot of you know what for it. Yeah. But But I just said to my kids, and they may be too young to know this. I don't know. Like, this is what mommy has to do you know? Yeah. And I'm luckier than most. So I want them to know that too.
0: Yeah. You know, and it's a, uh, and it is, it is a, even just a privileged position to be in that you kind of have some control and autonomy over the work that you craft. It's not saying that you can avoid all of the pain points on people in your family. Cause you know, that's a bit of a pipe dream that, Oh, I can do really fulfilling work and contribute and do the mission that I want to. And yet. No one will ever miss me. Like, come on, let's, let's be real because kids are loving and greedy and they will take and take, take from you. They will. That's their job. That's their that's job. That's their job, exactly. right? And
1: our job as adults is to draw boundaries. Mm-hmm. And, um, I feel like that's to me the hardest lesson of parenting.
0: <laughs> yeah. To draw boundaries. A Amen. I think that that's really smart. So, um, okay. And the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about just is because you've been, um, like I said, you've worked in the political realm is, you know, what, what do you think we can work on or what responsibility do we have as people who are in the space of creating content, um, of engaging online and discussing things in terms of trying to help, um, you know, build constructive conversations and maybe help some of the divisiveness? I don't think that you could talk to any American in now 2019 who would be like, Oh yeah, things are good, you know, in politics. I mean, I don't think any, anyone would agree with that in terms of being able to have reasonable conversations, whether it's around the dinner table or the Thanksgiving extended family table, or even online. Um, what do you think we can do to try to help that even as we talk about things that are, people are passionate about, that's are <sighs> controversial. It's, it's tough. I,
1: I don't think the internet is the place to have those conversations. Um, In fact, I have a rule in my life and in my business where if things get tough, you have to take it off email and pick up the phone,
0: Mm.
1: you know, or have a personal conversation. I think that part of what's happened is that we talk too much about politics and tough issues online and not enough with each other. And um, I think that that's one of the amazing things, frankly, about being in a community of women who ironically have a lot to say online but are willing to come together offline and talk, Uh you know, is that um, we're able to connect around our common, our common humanness and listen more. Um, I'm angry, angry, angry. And I think a lot of us are angry and we're frustrated and our government doesn't work and we don't know what to do, but I I'm trying not to rage on Twitter (laughs) and frankly, to read less Twitter because, um, it's not good for us. And coming back to the media consumption thing, like how can we model for our kids good habits if we, I I realized that every night I was just consumed by Twitter rage Mm -hmm. and that my kids would come into my bedroom bedroom and see me swearing at my phone. Like that's no good for anyone. right? (laughs) So... (laughs) So I'm all for I'm all for speaking out but I think that we got to take it offline.
0: Yeah. I think that that's really wise <laughs> advice. And that's and that seems hard for people because I think too often um I think people you know they they want to protect themselves and they you know want to have boundaries and maybe that gets mistaken of like well I don't allow you know negative influence in my life or toxic relationships or people but that can easily Stretch into the area of I don't talk to people who disagree with me.
1: <laughs> That's right. Now, but what I want to say though, and why I believe that the work I do is a little different, is storytelling and speaking your truth is different. So, we did some work with Planned Parenthood that was very, very sort of human, and it was around women telling stories of how Planned Parenthood came into their life, right? Mm-hmm that's really different than hurling an invective and judging it's like this is me this is my truth end and right. so I, the people that i follow on instagram all over the place i i really admire that they bravely tell their stories invite commentary i don't engage in that commentary because that's where i think it all breaks down but mm-hmm. I think that if you're brave enough to use the internet to speak for speak your truth, then that can change things.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I really like that, you know and yeah, in and to concentrate on what is your truth, what is your story, and then to let people make their own. To, to, to let that, you know, let it wash over them. And they're going to make their own judgments and assumptions as everyone does. Um, and yep. you hope that maybe as people get more used to that, um, and letting things sit with them before, you know, giving themselves some space before they start assuming things or making judgments, that that's maybe how it gets a little bit better. Yeah, you
1: know? that's right. I mean, stories, stories change lives. And those of us who are content creators, I think we have to, like, we have to remember that, you know, and everyone has a story.
0: Everyone. Yeah, I love that. I was listening this morning. I have a friend who's got a a podcast, a brand of the Life Beats podcast. And that's something that she talks about her, her kind of mantra is that everyone has these life beats, these common things in humanity that tie them together. And, you know, she has people on her podcast who are dealing, you know, with, you know, everything from divorce to losing a child to, um, you know, you know, being special need parent, you know, some heavy, heavy stuff. Um, And, you know, talks about that, it's there's so much that we have in common, and if we could just look for that and how our stories connect and how much we have in common, you know, like you said, your common humanness, your common humanity, um, it makes it so much easier to listen to someone, even even if you're in a different space, on different sides of the aisle. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. So, uh, well, that's beautiful. So, so there you go, guys. We fixed it. So just do what we tell Still you tight. to do, and <laughs> speak your truth. Just, just speak your truth, and then listen. You know, both parts, yep. all yep. both, both really important. So. Um, Okay, and then I wanted to finish today that you, um, I was, uh, I was, you know, stalking you on Twitter, obviously, because um, you're amazing, and you did a great little bit with um, Guy Raz, who I got a total podcast crush on, because I love all of his work that he does um, with NPR and um, and interviewing entrepreneurs um, and how we built this. Um, but you talked about how to thrive as an entrepreneur as an introvert, um, and you know, you've spoken to this, you've written about this. I know this is something that you're really passionate about, is kind of spreading the love for those of us um, who I, I, you know, admittedly will probably not put myself in this category that I, I am, as you could probably assume, I am an extrovert and I, and I love that. But I know not. I knew that is. when you
1: put the video on our podcast, I'm like, oh, she's an extrovert because introverts do not like video. <laughs>
0: they do not like video, and even though I don't, I don't use a video. I, I do do video. Um, but I get that there's a lot of people who aren't, and I'm always trying to do a better job of understanding those people and how can I help them with their work and how you know and what they want to accomplish with their businesses. Um, and I know, so I know introverts would love to hear kind of your tips for how to how to do that especially as an entrepreneur you know in this modern age how can you do that as, an, as as an introvert
1: Sure and you can um you can see the video um that Brittany's talking about if you go to my website which is womenandwork.org and um it's on I think my writing or speaking page but um And we'll link it I, in
0: the show notes for sure. Yeah. Oh
1: awesome. Yeah. I, I spoke at the first ever how I built this summit with Guy Raz which was incredible and um I did talk about what it takes to thrive as an introverted entrepreneur, but it's relevant even if you're an extrovert. The first thing that I want to highlight is, um, you know, being strategic about your time. When you become an entrepreneur, the first piece of advice you're get, you'll get you get is to network, right? What does that even mean? Like, what does networking even mean? I think for many people, it feels So overwhelming, so scary that they say yes to too many things and end up wasting a lot of time, spinning a lot of wheels. And if you're an introvert, really taxing yourself, right? Or if you have social anxiety. So time is money, (laughs) right? You wouldn't just randomly spend money on anything as an entrepreneur. So you need to be really surgical and strategic about your network and, and network niche, as I say. Network with a purpose. If you want to get new clients, if you want to build your pipeline of business development, you're going to network in a very different way. Maybe than if you were looking for funding or, you know, you were growing your database of influencers, right? You're going to network in different ways. You can also network with one person versus going to a big room. So be strategic and think about your goals. Think about your time. Say No more than yes. Um, The other thing that I think is really important is sort of preparing yourself before you walk into that room. A lot of us um, get very, very anxious. And so you really need to think about breathing. I always rehearse the first line of whatever I'm going to say, whether I'm, you know, frankly, saying hello to people or giving a speech or whatever. I know that first line because once I've talked a little bit, then I'm okay. But I have such anxiety around the first line. I wear the same lipstick. I sort of have a look that I'm going fair for. It's its about preparing yourself like actors do or athletes do when you're going into a situation. You're and then putting on th- your
0: armor and it just happens to be a great shade of red. Yeah.
1: Totally. Or your costume, whatever. The, the third thing is, um, Thinking about networking um, as an annuity, right, not a one-time thing. And this is where content creation is amazing and probably most of your audience knows this. But, you know, if you can write or publish content that burnishes your professional reputation no matter what you do and drives people to want to hire you, that is way more valuable than going to a million, you know, rubber chicken dinners or networking events or meetups. <laughs> so
0: yeah, it's, it's some, some lame, you know, rotary club meetings at the best Western. Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: A hundred percent. Right. Put a blog, you know, see if your local paper will accept a column, write a blog, do anything, respond Do a Quora Q and a, there's a million different ways you can now write content on LinkedIn, which I'm really into because I think that LinkedIn is a great, great tool So one of my vows in 2019 is to use LinkedIn more. Um, So think about annuity networking, networking that works for you while you're, you know, doing your own thing on your own time, but people can still find you online. Mm, I love that. That's it. That's all I
0: got. Well, those, I think that's all we need. Um, Those are all three (laughs) great tips. So I just wanted to review those. Um, First was to be strategic (laughs) about your time. You know, uh, Maura talked about find that network niche, Um, Make sure you have goals for what you're doing with your networking. Say no more than you're saying yes. The Mm -hmm. second was prepare yourself before walking in. Think about that costume what is it that you can um that you can do beforehand so that you know your opener um cuz yeah you're right as soon as you get over that first line the second one can usually come a lot easier um yeah it
1: just happens it just yeah.
0: happens and it has a natural flow to it so yeah have have something you know you're going to need to talk that's the whole point of this so be ready be ready to talk and have something to say that serves your needs because you've talked about your needs and your goals and the third is think about that networking annuity um what can you put out there what can you create that has value and that can serve you, um, even when you're taking a break. That's right, Yeah, that is right. Awesome, Um, okay, and so where can people find you if they wanna work with you, if they wanna hear more about you and what you're doing and who you're helping, um, where's the best place to find you?
1: Well, if you're a content creator and you would like um, to sign up for compensated opportunities that are also driving social good, please go to themissionlist.com and sign up at missionlesscom And um, you can also keep up with me and all my various escapades at WomenAndWork.org or HidingInTheBathroom.com.
0: There you go. All, all good things. Thank you so much, Mara, for Aww, being on here. You, this was just wonderful. Okay, everybody, I hope you enjoyed that interview. Um, I thought it was so helpful to hear from Mara. And I loved, as I reviewed this interview and releasing it and working on the show notes and um, before it came out, that I love her, um, just the way that she approaches being an introvert and having um, a different experience as you relate to being an entrepreneur and to connecting with other people. And, you know, I I think sometimes we get a little... a little crazy with the personality tests and the labels and the boxes and the categories to put ourselves in. And because it can sound, it can make things nice and tidy when I think most humans, um, you know, pretty much all humans are really complex, nuanced beings that have a lot of sides to them. And I think um, that's good. So, you know, whether you identify as an introvert or an extrovert, I hope that as you've listened in today um, and gotten some of these tips and definitely hone in on those three tips that um, that Maura talked about, that you, um, either way you fit on that spectrum that you say, okay, so, so what? So I'm not that great at this, or I struggle with this, or this is a challenge or a fear of mine. So what? What can I do now? Um, what can I approach? What can I work on? What can I delegate? What can I do to put good proper boundaries around my space and my time and my talent so that I can m- take better advantage of the opportunities and grow my business and my passions and my platform the way I want to in a way that actually impacts change um, in the way that we want to to put good out in the world. So I was listening to um, podcast yesterday, which I know I'm very meta talking about podcasts and podcasts, but um, because I am a big podcast junkie and, um, and they were referencing that it's, um, You know, sometimes we have a hard time, I think, as women, you know, putting ourselves out there and saying, yeah, I do want to make money and we feel greasy or slimy about that or that's too much of an ask. um, And we, you know, sometimes have some hangups about that. But the reality is, is that when you have a healthy business, when you are looking at your bottom line, when you're making friends with your numbers and when you're being thoughtful about your business decisions and being strategic in those, then it allows you to do the good that you want to do in the world. Um, And if you can't have a business that survives, then it's not going to be able to affect that much change. Even if you have, um, you know, you have smaller dreams. If you like making homemade earrings um, and, you know, handcrafted earrings, and that's your greatest passion, that's amazing. And I would love to see you do that and do that well and do that in the way you want to. Um, But it's going to be hard for you to do that if you're not making a profit. If you're not being smart about your time and your resources and how are you differentiating yourself and um, how are you competing against other people when, you know, sometimes a lot of the goods and services that we may create may be in a me too market. So anyway, just some closing thoughts to think about. Um, if you're loving the podcast, which I hope you are, um, I'd love to hear about it. Send me a DM. uh you know, connect with me on Instagram. That's where I am most of the time. Let me know what you're liking. What Let me know what you'd like to see more of. Um, if there's someone that you want to hear from, if you want to hear more about their origin story or what they're doing and what's working and not working in their business, then let me know. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and that you're not missing out on any of these episodes um, that come out. We've got more amazing interviews. We've got more great solo episodes that dive into something strategic and foundational that's going to help you Um, on the business side of your creative endeavor, whatever that looks like. And if you haven't left a review yet, that's another really great way for you to say thank you and for me to allow me what I want to do with this platform, which is to reach more female creative entrepreneurs just like you. That's my jam. That's what I want to do. I want to help more women be more confident business owners. Um, And I can't do that without your help. I really need you. So please tell a friend, share this with a friend, Leave a rating and review. Give me a screenshot. Give me a, a DM. Whatever you can, I appreciate all of it. And it, know that it all really helps um, unfold and allow me to do my mission to be able to reach out and to help women achieve their dreams, which is my, my biggest dream and my biggest joy that I get to be a small part of your dreams um, and your aims and ambitions at achieving what you want to. So, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for your time. And I hope you have a great week. And remember that you are a real business owner. So own your business in every sense of the word.